Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. You're ready for a comeback. And with Purdue Global, you can do more than take classes. You can take charge of your story, of your career, of your life. Earn a degree you can be proud of and get an education employers respect. It's time. Your time, not just to go back to school, but to come back and move forward with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. It is easy to be a cultural Christian. It is hard to realize that you have been stuck in it. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. This is episode 212. I'm by myself today answering your questions. You email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll walk through it just like we're sitting in the cab of a truck just having a friend conversation, one-on-one. You could look at it like uh, campfire talks. Could be about any subject, and you'll see as we've gone through over 200 episodes, the questions really are all over the place. And um, that we'll, we'll call it a safe place. This is a safe place. Let me go to the first one. And by the way, no notes in front of me. I, I like to say that because I have not prepared. I have not read these questions beforehand. I don't have a, a bunch of C.S. Lewis quotes on my desk, or um, I, I don't have anything prepared. So I, I do that so that you can get my first reaction. It's, and that means it's not always right. But it's my first reaction because if we were sitting in the truck and you you asked me something, I, I would tell you. And later I might say, I probably should have said this or that. But in the form of this podcast and for the sake of this show, I want to keep it where this is my first reaction. You may or may not agree with it, but I promise you it's from my heart. And I'm telling it as if I was telling my own brother. Okay. So first question from GrangerSmithPodcast at gmail.com. The subject line says, fear of the second coming. Hey, Granger, I don't want to be riding in the truck with you for this conversation. I want to be us fishing for bass and cats. <laughs> I've grown up, uh, first of all, hey, good intro. I like it. We're fishing, me and you. He said, I've grown up in the church. Oh, I'm sorry, it's a she. She said, I've grown up in the church for uh, 33 years that I've been alive And I know that none of us could ever know the exact day or time that Jesus will be coming back. However, I do know that the Bible proves that there will be signs. With everything going on in Israel, it makes you wonder if he is coming soon. From growing up in church, I know his second coming is something all Christians should look forward to. Is it normal 
to also be a little scared. I know I should feel comfort in, in knowing that he is coming back, but at the same time, I thought of forever is a tad bit scary to me. The thought of forever is a tad bit scary to me. Uh, should I be questioning in my heart in this situation? Or do, do you think it's a normal thing? I would love to know your thoughts. Thank you for all you do. Your podcast encourages the single mama daily. And I want, I want, uh, and it makes me want to be a better person for my daughter to look up to. I live in do things hard. And uh, I, I, let me, I'm having trouble with the first question reading. All. It says, I live by the do hard things motto. That's what she says. And your words have helped me on this journey. Be content in my singleness and wait on the Lord. Uh, keep getting his word out there. Natalie from Martin, Tennessee. Thank you, Natalie. And I thank you for the kind words. Uh, yeah, this is a good question. It's not straight uh, eschatology as far as the end of times. You have a little twist to it. You have, should we be a little scared of it? And so, yeah, it's a good question. 33 years in the church. I want to I want to point out to anyone listening that 33 years in the church um, could mean that you've learned things, but it also doesn't necessarily mean that you're a Christian. Not speaking to you specifically, Natalie. I'm just saying for anybody, it's not the amount of time in church that matters. It's the heart, right? It's the full surrender of the heart. Um, and I can attest for someone who was myself in church most of my life as well, but didn't really know the Lord until later. And that's that's really my testimony. And I hope that everybody hears me when I say that, that it is easy to be a cultural Christian. It is hard to realize that you have been stuck in it. And that when I talk about cultural Christianity, it's, it's difficult unless your eyes are opened to know that I'm actually talking to you, right? Because our pride gets in the way. They're like, yeah, I'm not me. I'm definitely a Christian. Definitely. But <laughs> that's a, that's a talk conversation for another day. Maybe, maybe it's because you said a prayer and repeated a pastor at some time in your life, and that gave you this false assurance. That's another question, and we'll get to your question here, Natalie. Um, talking about the end times, the second coming of Christ. He came the first time in the flesh. The incarnate Son came, God in the flesh, to redeem sinners to himself, went to the cross, uh, took upon himself as a substitution, took upon himself the sins of his people so that he could pay for that in full as the ultimate sacrifice, as the, the sacrificial lamb, which was always part of J Judaism culture. Now he became the final sacrifice, this, he, abolishing the sacrificial system from then on. And then it became faith in him, belief in him, and he, his atonement would be transferred to you. His righteousness would be transferred to you through faith, by grace, right? That's the first coming. Then he ascended uh, after he resurrected from the grave, after three days, saying, all who believes in me will have eternal life. He, he ascended after a while, after he met with over, over 500 people saw him after the resurrection. He talked with, with the disciples. He ate with them. He sang with them. He, he, he prayed with them, and then he ascended into heaven. That was the first coming. The question here on the podcast is about the second coming that he promised would happen. Here's my thing. Y'all know me. You know about eschatology. That's the study of end times. And the crazy thing about eschatology is that 
it becomes a distraction. I have heard so many people lately saying things like, man, I've I've heard a lot of good preaching on the internet lately because a lot of pastors are putting together all this eschatology. They're putting together all this end time stuff and it sure is sounding good. And I have to warn everybody that that can, and I think is becoming the tickling of the ears. People with itchy ears wanting scratched the things that they want to hear because it sounds nice. It sounds, it sounds good. But the, those same people have to be very careful that they have the full concept of the gospel. The gospel is what I shared earlier with the incarnate son, the first coming. You know, it's almost like you could say it this way. We worry more about the second coming these days than we do the first coming. The atonement happened the first coming, right? He comes to collect his people in the second coming, but you don't know his people. You don't know who they are until the first coming happens. Then they're separated by faith, those that believe in him. And so what he, when he talks about Jesus, when he talks about the end times, and he talks about the second coming, and he talks about the signs, he talks about the birth pains, he talks about how you'll know the season. When he says all that, why does he say it? We should ask that question. Why, does he, why is he saying it? Well, the answer is to be ready so that you will be ready. So be ready. That's the whole point of eschatology. And I, no one talks like this, but, but I think about it all the time. No, no pastor gets up and says this. Perhaps, maybe in your church, maybe he does. But as far as I know, you don't see it on the internet. It doesn't get a lot of views on TikTok. It doesn't get a lot of views on Instagram reels. A pastor just saying, hey, be ready. Stop worrying about the end. Stop worrying about using Revelation, the book of Revelation, like it's a roadmap, like, like you're a treasure hunter on Indiana Jones, Pirates of the Caribbean. We're trying to read a, a treasure map using ancient texts of the Bible. Go and look, we'll put this together and look 666 and look the Antichrist and look Israel here, look Syria from the north and the, look Hamas here. And you know what Hamas means? Oh man, it means evil. And then these guys are coming. And then Russia, if they get up under China with the million man army, if they come, it, it, you start reading like this. And what are you doing? You're just getting distracted. You're using the second coming to distract you from the first coming. And you're missing the cross. That's the whole point. The whole point is the cross. See it. Know that you're a sinner. Know that he went to the cross, Jesus, to redeem sinners to himself, becoming sin. He who knew no sin became sin so that we could be forgiven, so we could be seen as guiltless, the guilty. We are guilty. We are seen as guiltless with what he did on the cross. He covers us, right? He takes on the wrath of God, the punishment, so that we don't have to. So we believe in him, we turn from our sin, that's repentance, we turn away from our old lives, and we turn to him. And when we do, we are forgiven, restored, redeemed, covered, cleansed, gifted eternal life by grace. Not on our own doing, not because of anything we did, but everything that he did right there on the cross in the first coming. And so then, what do you think the enemy would do if this was... If, if this was a, like you're building a storyline, what's a pretty good plan for an enemy to do? Ah, let's use this whole second coming thing as a distraction. Because look, y'all, Jesus is coming. He's coming, that's a fact. It, it's just a matter of when. And so if we get so caught up on the when, 
the one thing that, that's going, that, that's not known, we do know he's coming, but the one thing that's not known is when. And if we get so hung up on the when, we forget the fact, the thing we do know. He came, he atoned, he resurrected, he is risen, and he's coming back. Stop worrying about the when. He said, no one will know the day or time. No one will know. But we get so obsessed as a culture that we think we know. We think we're the generation. What do you think the last generation thought? That it was them? What do you think our greatest generation, that we call them greatest generation, the World War II generation, what do you think they thought when Nazis were just about taking over the world? They thought, well, this is probably it. Then they saw the Holocaust. Well, this is probably it. This is probably, this has to be the second coming. Then they saw Israel become a nation again. Oh, this, this is the sign. This has to be it. He's coming any moment now. And he didn't. And that generation's about to pass away. If they haven't already, my, my granddad's passed away. All of them. What do, you think that, what do you think they thought in the Civil War when the bodies were piling up? Or World War I? Or the Revolutionary War? What do you think they thought in all the other wars that the world has seen? What do you think they thought in the Black Plague in the Middle Ages? They must have surely thought, this is it. He's coming. He's coming. Lord, Lord, come quick. Maranatha. Here he comes, right? Don't get distracted by reading the times and not paying attention to the first coming, losing the grip, losing the focus on, on Jesus' first coming because you're so distracted by the second. I think, I think it's a great ploy by the enemy to get us distracted, to get us not, to get us forgetting the gospel, to get us not evangelizing the gospel. Because instead, instead of going out and telling the gospel, which I've done twice now, you know why I've told the gospel twice on this show already? It's because Romans 1 says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Faith comes through hearing. So I've told you the gospel now twice, so that you're left with no excuse to listeners of this podcast. There's a supernatural power that comes through hearing the gospel and believing. I'm, I'm, I'm appealing to your conscience. I'm not appealing to your mind. I'm appealing to your conscience that knows that you're a sinner. And so what's happening is preachers are going out and they're preaching eschatology. They're preaching the end of times. They're, they're trying to put Israel in a box and Syria and Babylon and Egypt and Russia and um, Palestine and Hamas and China. They're trying to put all this together, and and it it really gets great attention from the church. Everyone loves it. It gets tons of views, tons of clicks. People walk out saying that's the greatest sermon I've ever heard. And guess what happened? A lot of time was wasted talking about that, and not enough preaching the gospel. Because the only way to be ready for the end of times is to be equipped with the gospel, to believe to believe the gospel. That's how, that's how to, you get ready. And so to your question, Natalie, you say, I know his, his second coming is something all Christians should look forward to, right? Let me stop you right there. And before I get to the next sentence, let me just say, his second coming is something all Christians should look forward to. Yes. But odds are, if we're just playing odds here, you're going to see him in your lifetime through death, through physical death. That's what to look forward to, right? The, the sting of death is gone, so we look forward to seeing him, but 
not necessarily the second coming. That's, that's fantastic. But the odds are you're going to see him a lot sooner than that. Because you only have, let's say you're 33 years old. Do you only have, Lord willing, you only have 50, 60, 70 years left. So unless he comes between 50 and 70 years, Lord willing, if you live that long, then you're going to beat everybody to it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to beat the second coming in your own mortality. So think about that first. Make sure you're equipped with the gospel. You're ready in that aspect. And let's get to your second question. Is it normal to also be a little scared? I, I know I should feel comfort in knowing that he will be back, but at the same time, the thought of forever is a tad bit scary to me. What's scary to me is reading that sentence from you. Because yes, forever is, is scary if you're not sure where you're going to end up, right? If, if you have that blessed assurance, like the old hymn says, if you have blessed assurance, then you go, Christ is magnified in my life, whether life or by death. So hurry Christ, hurry death, or keep me here for as long as I need to tell everyone else about my treasure, right? Either way, I'm Christ. To live as Christ and to die is gain. That's the thought. That's the Apostle Paul. That's what he's thinking about. That's what, that's what he's preaching, and that's coming from his heart. That's what he feels. To live as Christ, to die is gain, right? And so there is nothing in that about to live as Christ and to die. Oh, man, I'm scared. If you are scared, then maybe we double down on hearing the gospel again and a little bit less eschatology, a little bit less in times, a little bit more first coming, a little bit less second coming. Does that make sense? I hope it does, Natalie. And I thank you for the question. And I, I, I hope that probably answers a lot of other questions and probably riles up people. People are probably going to email me and go, man, you're, don't you know the, the mark of the beast is coming and, you know, President Biden and uh, United States and Russia. And, and I'm going to be like, please don't read Revelation like it's a treasure map. Next question, very different one, sounds like. Subject line, Grand Ole Opry. And the question says, did you ever get a chance to play the Grand Ole Opry before you retired from music? Uh, it comes from Teresa. Thanks, Teresa. Yeah, I did. I played the Opry two times, and um, it was great. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the Opry. The, the, I believe the first time I played, uh, my grandmother came. My grandmother, Minnie, who's now 97. She got to be with me. So, yeah, playing the Opry... Uh, was really cool. I'm not going to say it was a the climax of my career or the the pivotal moment of everything or the the apex of music. Ah, it was it was a beautiful building. Um, the Ryman's great. Uh, the Opry House is awesome, and Gaylord. Uh, I, but it's you know I'm a Texan. I I most people in the South grow up and they're like, man, the Opry is it. I never thought that. I never grew up that way. I grew up a big George Strait fan. So that was never like George wasn't big on the Opry. And so I never saw that as like the thing. So I never pursued it. And um, the Opry is typically, it was like on a Saturday night or a Tuesday night. And me living in Texas, when they would invite me, it would, I would mean I would have to travel outside of my own tour to go and play the Opry for free and pay my own way and play two songs and go home. And I just never was into it that much. It never mattered to me that much. And 
that's not, everyone else is not like that. Most people are like, man, the Opry's everything. I'll drop everything and go do it. And so I have great respect for it, great respect for the history of it. I think it's a fantastic um, platform, and it has been in the history of country music for so long. But I never looked at it as like the top of the top. And so um, that's why I never, I guess, you know what? Um, oh, look, behind me, oh, you can't see it. The camera's not covering it, but there's a promo poster right above me, if you're watching on YouTube, that is the uh, live at the Opry at the Ryman, and it's my my promo from, when was that? November 28th, 2015. So there you go. We'll take a break. Be right back. If you want to get a hold of me, if you want me to send you a message, I say this a lot, cameo.com slash Smith. It's a really good way to do it. Or you can download the Cameo app and search for me, Granger Smith. You ask for whatever you want me to record, and I pull out my phone and do a video message specifically to you or to your son or your boyfriend or girlfriend or daughter or whatever it might be, a word of encouragement, happy birthday, happy anniversary, Merry Christmas. I, I could do it all and I have done it all and it's it's really easy. It's a great last minute gift and something for someone that has everything. So cameo.com slash Granger Smith. Back to the podcast. All right, back to the podcast. Thank you guys for listening and watching whatever platform you're coming from. And this has been, uh, this has always been a treat for me having this podcast and kind of, it's different than everything else I do because I'm not, I, I just literally sit down and start some cameras and, and start my computer recording and uh, dive into your questions, which you email me, grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, the next question, going down the the list here, just randomly, it has no subject, and it says, Hey, Granger, my name is Ian, and I love your podcast. I'm 15 years old. I'm a Christian, and I like this girl, but I don't know if she likes me. I've prayed, but I don't have any clarity on whether or not I should ask her out or just wait until I'm older. Also, if I do decide to ask her out, should I ask her dad first? Thanks, Ian. I believe that's how you say your name. It's spelled E. O-I-N, Ian. Um, if we're sitting in the truck, or as that one message said last break, if, if we're fishing, then I'm going to need, a, few, I need a, a little bit more information from you, Ian. Um, and one of the questions I, was, I would ask is, how old is she? 15 is, that's going to be borderline of what I'm going to think is too young. And if I'm the girl's dad, I would say no, and I do have a girl that's 12. Uh, I would say no, it's not time. And uh, I'm, I'm probably rare. There's probably not a, not a lot of dads that would do that, say, no, you're not, you're not going to date. Um, but I would say, let's hang out in a group, right? You could go out with my daughter, and you guys could hang out in a group, maybe go see the high school football game. Maybe you guys, um, we could all go to the town uh, festival, we can go to the county fair as a group, and there's four or five guys, and there's four or five girls, and I'm going to say, you're not going to be alone with my daughter. It's not you, Ian. In fact, I don't know you at all, and it's not, it, that's, that's kind of um, irrelevant to the situation of who you are. It's your age that's the deal. Um, 
However, that being said, of course, I remember being 15. I remember liking girls and I remember thinking what you're thinking. And so what you're feeling and what you're asking is not wrong in itself. I'm just going to counsel you and I hope that others will counsel around you and go, hey, buddy, okay, I got it. You like this girl. I got it. Let's, uh, let, let me tell you how we're going to walk through this, right? I would hope that that's how it's going to go. I probably won't. Uh, I'm glad you emailed this podcast. Um, so let's walk through it as if you actually are going to ask her and pretend that the dad's totally cool with this and this is not my daughter. Okay, <laughs> let's, let's, let's talk of it that way. Um, I think, first of all, it's a fantastic idea to ask the dad. For everything I just, for every reason I just gave, this is a fan, fantastic thing. You're 15 years old to talk to the dad because what if the dad says, my daughter's not allowed to date, okay? And the girl goes ahead and goes behind his back and goes out with you. What kind of future does that possibly leave you? None, because you're just sneaking around and as soon as the dad finds out, uh, he's going to shut this down quickly and you don't want to be part of it when dad shuts this down. So... You're going to go find out for yourself and just go, hello, Mr. So-and-so, uh, my name is Ian, and I was wondering if, if I could have permission. I go to your daughter's school. I was wondering if I could, I could have permission to uh, go on a date with her. And if he says, well, sit down, let's talk, let's, let's learn who you are a little bit, I and mean, hopefully he does at least that, then, uh, then you can talk about how you're going to take her out and what time you're going to pick her up and what time you're going to bring her back. When you're 15, see, this is one of the problems that I'm going to talk to you about if we're fishing, me and you, is that, first of all, you're too young to drive. And so you got to have your parents drive or he's got to drive, the dad or the girl. So that's where it gets complicated. So let's put all that aside. Let's move on to your ne the next part of your question. Uh, should I ask her out? I like this girl, you say, but I don't know if she likes me. I've prayed, but I don't have any clarity on whether I should ask her out or not, or just wait until I'm older. You know, I'm going to say, wait till you're older, but let's dive in as if you're going to do this. Um, what's crazy about a question like this is that what we so often miss when we're in it and we're not looking from the outside of it like I am and all the listeners are listening to it right now, you miss the key element to the whole thing. I like her. I don't know if she likes me and I've been praying on clarity. But you're missing the one thing. Just ask her. I, I, I know that that seems crazy to you, but that's the obvious answer. That's, that's what I would say at any age. At any age, if you like a girl, you don't know if she likes you, you need some clarity on the situation and you've been praying about it. You don't know if she's going to say yes on a date. The obvious answer is ask her, <laughs> right? I mean, it's like, man, I'm going to ask the podcast. I'm going to ask my friend's advice and I'm going to pray to God and hope that he writes something in the cloud for me. And the obvious answer to you, Ian, is you walk up to her, you maybe a little bit awkward in the hallway at school and you go, hey, can I ask you something? She's like, yeah. You say, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I'm a little bit nervous right now, but I'm nervous because I don't know the answer to what you're about to say. And the question is, you think you'd be, ever be interested in going on a date with me? I, I just, I, I, you seem like a really cool girl and, and you're really pretty and 
You seem like someone I would, I would love to get to know a little bit better and maybe take on a date. So at that point, Ian, it's going to be awkward and it's going to take some nerves and you're going to be very nervous and awkward. But at that point, from right there, right at the end of that sentence I just said, from then on, you all of a sudden will have perfect clarity on the situation. You'll have your answered prayer. You'll have clarity on whether or not she likes you right then and there because the next thing that comes out of her mouth or perhaps her body language is going to tell you. She could say, oh, I, I don't think so. Okay, good. Okay, good. It might be a little hurtful, might be a little humiliating for you, but bro, then you know, right? So then you walk away and you go, okay, okay. I'll, I'll sleep better tonight knowing that this mysterious question I've been wanting to know, will she, will she like me? Will she go on a date with me? The answer is over. I have it. She said, no. Okay, move on. All right. Or she says, I, I'm not allowed to date. Then you go, okay, cool. Then you, then you wait. Well, then you go, hey, I totally understand. Um, I, I don't really know if I could date either. I'm young. So um, at least now you know. You, now, now you know, wait. Or she says, I think that would be really nice. And you go, good. Because if she says really nice, then you got a pretty good indication she likes you, or at least she kind of likes you, for sure. Then you get to move on and schedule the date. Clarity, just like that. Magic. <laughs> Thanks for the question, buddy. All right, uh, interesting subject line here. We'll see what it says. It says punishment. Email says, hey, Granger, my name is Caden. Caden, I should say, probably. My name is Caden. I'm 29 years old. I live in Texas, and my wife and I have been married for a little over four years. I'm reading ahead. No, I don't think... I, I, stopped, I stopped myself because I thought, have I read this before? I don't think I have. My wife and I have been married a little over four years. Since we got married, we've been trying for a baby. Now we both have a child from previous relationships. In four years, we've had four miscarriages and have seen the fertility specialist and gotten no answers as to why this keeps happening. I can't help but feel like I'm being punished by having to watch the pain this has caused my wife because of mistakes I made in my first marriage. I'm a believer and understand that God doesn't operate like this, but it's a constant thought I have. Any advice on dealing with these thoughts? Thanks in advance. All right, Caden. I'm sorry for the pause. I literally thought this sounded familiar, but it's not. It's a brand new email. So 29 years old, living in Texas, been married four years. You each have a baby from a previous marriage. You're having trouble conceiving now. And you don't have, let's see, you don't have a baby together. Is that correct? That's correct. So in four years, you've had four miscarriages. Seen a fertility specialist. Got no answers to why it keeps happening. Okay. Um, yeah, and thanks for the email. I know this is a very sensitive subject and I hope you're listening and I appreciate, I pre really appreciate you trusting me in this podcast for a question like this, because I know it's near and dear to your heart. So I'm going to say a couple things here. I'm going to say, first of all, it's the Lord. If you're a Christian, you'll, you'll know this. 
It's the Lord that opens the womb. And man, just sit with that. <laughs> just sit with that for a while. It's the Lord who opens the womb. Uh, we see that throughout the Bible. We see these stories and we see that the Lord closes wombs and we see the Lord opens wombs. And so, first of all, know that we have a providential God. We have a God that is totally sovereign and uh, he's complete, he has complete providence over even your wife's womb. Um, so know that. And then we need to get into this guilt that you have from your previous marriages. Not plural for you, but hers and yours. Um, you have things that you have done in your past. You've made mistakes, right? Well, when you're a believer, when you have put your faith in Christ, your trust is in Christ, you are redeemed, you are restored and renewed by Jesus's finished work on the cross, right? And I gave the full gospel twice at the, on the first break of this podcast. When that is you, one of the benefits you get as an adopted son of God is your sins are covered. Your guilt is covered. Your sins are remembered no more. Your sins are as far apart as the earth is from the heavens. They are forgotten. You're covered and forgiven. That's what forgiveness means. That's what Jesus says when he's talking, as you read the, the gospel narratives, and he says, your sins are forgiven. That's what he means. He doesn't mean your, your sins are forgiven and I'll, I will still remember them and punish you for them. That's not what he said. That's not what he's saying and that's not what it means. However, sins are sins. Every sin is, is a sin against God himself and they all are a rebellion to our creator. However, some sins have different repercussions different consequences that last longer in our lives. Not supernaturally hurting a pregnancy of a woman that you're with now. Not that kind of, not that kind of hurt, right? The, the sins that you're talking about, I don't know what they are, but I'm assuming they're great. The sins of your past marriage, whatever happened, that is not, God is not punishing you in this new marriage by making your new wife not be able to get pregnant. But the consequences of those first sins are affecting your mind. They are bringing you down because the consequences are great and you're carrying those burdens of the, of the great sins with you and you're carrying it into this marriage so much so that you have four miscarriages and you go, this must be a divine punishment. Now, the Lord definitely disciplines, right? The Lord definitely disciplines those that he loves for their own good. But he's not going to take a sin that you did and then make you, make, make it hurt this new wife of yours physically where now her womb is closed. Even though, remember what I said at the very beginning, it's the Lord that opens wombs and closes wombs, right? So the, the more biblical way to look at this is 
why am I having, why have we had four miscarriages? So that God's glory will be known. That's what he would say. It's like, why is this man blind? They would ask Jesus. So that God's glory may be known through him. So that, so that you could see what's happening. I don't know what that is for you, but whatever is happening is for his glory. That's always what his plan is. And so four miscarriages are significant. That, that's a significant number. That's like, okay, something's going on here. What is it? Maybe, let me throw a few things out here. Maybe it's so that we rely on him. Maybe it's so we could start saying, you two, Lord, we come to you. You know our heart. You know we want a baby. Please, God, open, open her womb. Please hear our prayers. And then she gets pregnant. And then what happens? What happens when she gets pregnant then? Then you go, huh, it was you, God. It was always you. But now we see, we see you, God. It took four miscarriages for us to stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about you, God, to bring everything to you. Maybe. Not for sure, but maybe that sounds, that sounds like my God. Right? Or maybe... Lord has adoption plans for you. Maybe adoption is in your is in your plan. But maybe you wouldn't have ever gotten to that point if you had just kept creating biological babies with your wife. Maybe the Lord goes, I have different plans for you than you think. My plans are better. My plans are greater. It's not what you think. I've got better ones. And you're going to think that this is suffering. You're going to think that this particular suffering of these four miscarriages... You're going to think whatever you, th- you might think about it. You're going to think you're disciplined because of some past sins, which I told you are forgiven, child. But the truth is, I have greater plans for you. And these four miscarriages are making you turn to me. Look at me. Here's what I have for you. Stop worrying about yourself. Well, follow me, right? That sounds, that sounds like my God. I think that being 29 years old and having this problem, you you have so much life ahead of you as well. Um, I would take all of this to the Lord and I would, I would meditate through the Psalms. I would meditate, meditate through the, through some of the gospel narratives. I would meditate through Isaiah and Ezekiel and Elijah and Elisha and Jeremiah. I would just kind of go through some of these these biblical stories and and feel God's presence through his ever living word as it's being poured over you hear his promises hear his promises of a chosen child of God poured over you go yes i trust you god and even if this womb is closed forever even if i never have another baby again i trust you that your plan is better than what i think my plan is for myself when you start praying stuff like that, you stop worrying about, oh man, is this my past sins haunting me? You stop worrying about that. And you start instead focusing on the promises of God. Thanks for the question, brother. Let's hit one more here. Uh, Howdy Granger, my name is Matt. I'm 20 years old from... Pottstown, PA. I've always been a fan of your music and a longtime listener of the podcast. I was so excited to see 
you perform at the Clearfield County Fair back in August. My question is, what camera setup do you use for vlogs recently? I've been watching Restoring Earl's Old Truck series, and it's inspired me to start a channel for my truck. I have a 1994 Silverado C3500 6.5 liter diesel with five-speed manual. God bless everything you do. Matt, thank you, Matt. And he actually put a picture on here as well. So appreciate you, bro. Um, there's the there's the truck. Oh, man, it's white, and it's a dually. I don't think you said that. It's awesome. Okay, buddy. Um, I use... Uh, Sony cameras. In fact, I'm using Sony cameras right now. Um, and I, I'm using two of them here. The one I vlog with the Smiths is, is not with me, but, um, I use Sony DSLR and Sony lenses. So the, the lens I use with the Smiths and with that, um, restoring Earl's truck was the 16 to 35 Sony camera. And it's got an f-stop of 2.8. It's a great lens. It's really expensive. It's very expensive. It's like, I want to say probably used, a used one's like 1500 bucks and a brand new one is about $2,000. That's, that's just the lens. Um, it's an awesome lens. And I started using it after, um, Rob Turkla from Lunkers TV told me about it. And I've then used it for years, for five years now, I've used that that lens. Uh, the camera body itself is expensive as well. It's almost the same price for the camera body for, for, a, um, for a good Sony DSLR, okay? And I've, I've had different ones, but um, those are, that's the look and that's the, that is the most trustworthy camera. So um, to get to that, I mean, you're looking at dropping say you go used three to four grand. It's, it's quite a bit, it's quite a bit of cash. So I guess I should say, I should end with, end your question with this. Don't do that. Don't do that yet. It's my, always my advice to someone starting content creating is, uh, Hey, use your phone first and remember that the content you're getting is more important than the media you're using to capture the, the content itself. So if your content is good, then you could be using a phone. Um, Matt Carricker, Demo Matt, has for the longest time just used a little point-and-shoot camera. His content is so good that he doesn't need good cameras and good lenses because his content, he likes the camera just that, that fits on the little side pocket. So if that's what you're going for, I would start with just filming on your phone and editing right there on your phone and throwing them up on YouTube. If you get traction, if people are like, man, I love your channel, I love what you do, then you can go, okay, I'm actually making a little bit of money on YouTube and I could start using that to pour back into the, the actual stuff, the equipment I'm using to film. I would wait a long time. I would wait till you reach some landmarks on YouTube like 5,000 subscribers. I would wait till you get to 5,000 subscribers before you get a decent camera. And then I would wait till 10,000 subscribers before you get a decent lens, right? I, I would, I think that's a pretty good thing uh, to think about. Um, but I appreciate you and your, your encouragement to me on my channels and, and uh, have fun with that truck, man. That's a beautiful white four-door crew cab dually. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a really, really beautiful truck. So 
All you, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next Monday. Thanks for joining me on the Granger Smith Podcast. I appreciate all of you guys. You could help me out by rating this podcast on iTunes. If you're on YouTube, subscribe to this channel. Hit that little like button and notifications bell so that you never miss any time I upload a video. If you have a question for me that you would like me to answer, email grangersmithpodcast at gmail.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate, but not with 80 Acres Farms? Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled, going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview, Great Falls, offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity.